Welcome to the show for sinners and sufferers. My name is Cody, and today we are wrapping up 1 Timothy after 16 weeks. If you've been following along through this entire series, I really hope it has been beneficial. It's been a blessing to you in some way. Today, we're going to look at the last 10 verses talking about fleeing sin, fighting for the faith, and guarding the gospel. We're reading 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 21, which says this. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you, avoid the reverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Throughout the entirety of this letter, Paul has been contrasting the false teaching plaguing the church with an exhortation to true doctrine and right living. After speaking of the, the vices of these false teachers, their conceit and greedy discontentment in pursuit of personal gain, Paul says now, flee from these things. Notice he doesn't say, try to avoid them or don't get caught up in that stuff. He says, run, escape, get away, flee. I immediately think of Joseph in Genesis 39, who working in Potiphar's house is continually being propositioned by his master's wife. And he's he's turning her down. And we read that on the day that she tries to force herself on him by grabbing onto his garment, it says, which would have been like kind of a wraparound skirt thing. But as she grabs his skirt, he runs out of it. He just leaves it in her hand and he flees from the building. There's no sense playing with sin, skirting the edges of it, trying to see how close you can get without falling in. This is like sitting in a room with a lion or a bear going, oh, I hope it doesn't attack me. Just just get out of the room. Just run. Flee from conceit, flee from greed, and the temptation of of seeking your own wealth and making more of yourself than you are. Run from those things. But don't just run anywhere. Paul says run toward righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. These are things Paul tells the, the Galatians are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They don't come about in your life 
just by accident, but through being transformed and sanctified by his Holy Spirit. When we repent of sin, turn from worldly things and pursue Christ with our whole heart, that's when we run towards, that's where we are fleeing to, that's safety from the effects of sin and temptation. And that's not going to be easy. Giving in to temptation, being conceited, disregarding others, and pursuing our own wealth, that's easy. Pursuing godliness is not. This is why Paul says it's a fight. We fight the good fight of the faith. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says we must put to death whatever is worldly within us. And, and we see a lot of this violent war language about this, this struggle against our own worldly natures, our own corrupt flesh, as well as the voices of the world, the deception of the enemy telling us to just do the easy thing. Don't fight or flee, just surrender to your sin. Charles Spurgeon once said, the way of the spiritual life is no easy one. We will have to contest every step of the way. If we live unto God, we will need to war a daily warfare and tread down the powers of death and hell. Paul's command to, to take hold of eternal life is like saying, take the trophy, cross the finish line, just, just do it. Don't just lay down when it gets hard, but take hold of it. Seize the day. In the the, the midst of this next charge then, Paul, Paul stresses the weight of what he's saying by appealing to the presence of, of God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son. And, and in, in the midst of this, he uses two phrases that might not be immediately clear. He refers to the good confession as well as to the commandment. And he actually uses the term the good confession twice, once referring to Timothy's confession before many witnesses, and again referring to Jesus' confession before Pontius Pilate. And I, and I believe they are the same confession because we know what Jesus confessed before Pilate. It was, yes, he is the king of the Jews. So Timothy's confession before many witnesses was similar Jesus is the rightful king. He is the Messiah. This is the good confession that is part of seizing eternal life, the declaration of who Jesus is. As for the commandment, uh, this is the full message of what Paul has been speaking of, the true doctrine of the gospel, how Jesus saved us not by works of the law, but by grace through faith and, and the doctrine of the church and how we live obediently as the people of God. This, this is the, the entirety of it. This is the faith, the church, the gospel, what we'd call Christianity today. Then at the mention of, of appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul digresses into this moment of, of worship, and he's done this a couple times throughout the letter where he just can't contain himself anymore. He, he says the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then suddenly he says, he is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He alone has immortality. He dwells in unapproachable light that nobody could even look directly at him. To him be honor and dominion coming out of this this moment of, of worship, it seems like almost a little bit jarring or, or like maybe Paul just suddenly thought of this or considered it coming out of this. He, he remembers those 
whom Jesus said it would be the hardest to enter the kingdom of heaven. The rich, those who feel self-sufficient, who think they can do everything themselves, who don't see a need for a savior in their life. He says, those who are, who are rich, not the, the false teachers who are pursuing wealth, but those who are rightly wealthy, who, who just worked hard, they have that wealth, they're in the church now. He says they should not place their hope in the wealth they have, but in God who is the true source of everything good. To have wealth is not inherently evil and can actually be used in, in a God-honoring way but it can't be their salvation. It can't be what they rely on. It can't take the place of God. And as well, Paul says, honor God with it through, through good works, through being rich in good works, being generous and sharing the wealth. Because hoarding it, protecting it, being miserly and, and Ebenezer Scrooge-esque with your wealth, it makes you not any better than the person that's trying to dishonestly gain the wealth. If you're keeping it just to amass for yourself, just for your own sense of power and accomplishment, then that becomes a, a distraction. That becomes a barrier between you and trusting God. That becomes a barrier between you and, and the family, the household of God. Finally, Paul closes with this final charge he says, oh, Timothy, but I think this can apply to, to all of us who, who follow in Timothy's footsteps as the, as the further the next generations of the church. He says to guard the deposit. That is the, the deposit made by the apostles, the faith, the tradition, the doctrine passed down to us and entrusted to us. A man of God will preach the word and defend the word. To be entrusted with it means that we now have the charge to spread it. It's now on us to continue to teach and propagate the gospel and encourage God's people and bring people in who are not part of this family. But we also protect it from the distorting lies of false teachers, from, from worldly voices trying to weasel their way into the church and speak as if they have some knowledge or authority. A lot of pastors and teachers, not only today, but throughout history, have tolerated what Paul calls irreverent babble and contradictions in the name of tolerance, or as a sort of misplaced humility, you know, claiming that every person's interpretation must be held is kind of the same. They're all equally valid. You know, I don't want to be so prideful to say I have the truth, but, but scripture is plain that we should not tolerate distortions of the true gospel handed down by the apostles. That we need to test everything we hear against that tradition, against God's word, against what we can read in the Bible that's been handed down. And when something smells fishy, we need to call it a fish. We aren't doing anyone any favors pretending that their irreverent babble is actually true knowledge. It isn't helpful to let people believe lies when there is hope and salvation in the truth. If we actually believe what we say we believe, this is not just a social club. This is not just a cool place to hang out where everyone feels affirmed and welcomed. 
We are the household of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of truth. So that's First Timothy. Uh, I appreciate you listening today and however long you have been part of this ministry. You've been listening for the Timothy series or from long before that. As always, I would love to hear from you, to hear your thoughts, questions, snide remarks. Though that, that seems to be about all I get. A few people have said maybe stop asking for snide remarks, but hey, you're free to speak your mind. Sometimes it gives me ideas for new videos. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be able to share some interviews and conversation style episodes coming up. Uh, I have a couple of topical episodes up my sleeve as well. The release schedule is probably going to be a little less consistent for a bit while we, we sort some stuff out. But I hope you'll stick with us through all of that. And of course, if you have an idea for something you'd like to hear me talk about or someone you'd like to hear me talk to, uh, why not send that? Because every once in a while, someone just timidly suggests something. I'm like, what a brilliant idea. You should have just said that. So if you're sitting on something, don't be shy. Let me know what you think we should talk about. And until then, I will quote Paul and say, grace be with you. <laughs>